Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Relentless Daring Podcast, and I am your host, Tyler Morgan, and we are engaged in the relentless daring pursuit of truth, justice, and American jackassery. All right, so today's episode, or this week's episode, however you want to look at it, I'm going to be looking at the release of John Walker Lind, the American Taliban uh, discussing a charity event that I had the privilege of going to today. And I'm going to take a little trip back in time in the old way, way, way back machine. And we're going to talk about uh, something, something that's, I'm not going to say it's near and dear to me, but it's one of those things when I hear it referenced. It, it's one of those things that just pisses me off just because... It is so downplayed and maligned. And that is the case of Liebeck versus McDonald's, also known as the coffee lawsuit. And I'm going to hit that up first just because I'm already on the topic. And I actually have it pulled up on my phone. All right, so way, 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 way back, 1992, when I was the ripe old age of eight... Stella Liebeck, a 79-year-old woman and her nephew, they went to McDonald's. As was their morning tradition, he would pick her up, take her to McDonald's, and they would get their breakfast, and then he would take her, take her back home where she would enjoy it. And he drove, he drove a Ford Probe, and Ford Probes back then did not have cup holders because, let's face it, there was a time in history when cup holders were not not that big of a thing to put in the cars but anyways they go through an albuquerque mcdonald's they get their meal they pull over to the you know into a parking spot where stella then you know she puts the coffee between her knees so she can add her cream and sugar Because back then, you had to do that yourself. McDonald's wouldn't do it for you. And when she popped the lid off, and anyone remembers cups, whether they be coffee cups, soda cups, water cups from way back in the 90s, they were super, super flimsy. And when she did the coffee that was estimated to be between 180 and 190 degrees, dumped into her lap, causing third-degree burns to 6% of her body, second-degree burns to 16% of her body, to include the thighs, the groin, genitalia, and buttocks of 
of the nearly 80-year-old woman. Uh, she spent three days in the hospital having, you know, multiple skin grafts to, you know, r- repair the damage that had been done to those places that were third-degree burned, as well as having to be in, have, uh, be in home care and have a live-in nurse for nearly two years after her injuries. And her and and say what you want, you know. Yeah, she dumped the coffee on herself. She should have been more careful. But you know, she did what she felt was right because she felt that McDonald's served coffee that was too damn hot. Okay, well, that maybe maybe it is. Maybe it isn't, but she went to McDonald's and was asking originally for... I had it pulled up here. Was originally for $20,000 was what her uh, her original request was. It's like, hey, twenty thousand dollars. This covers my medical bills, and it goes away, and I go away. McDonald's offer gave her a counter offer of a generous eight hundred dollars. At which point, she then retained Texas attorney Reed Morgan, who filed an a. Uh, this is a unreasonably dangerous and defectively manufactured gross negligence lawsuit. Um, doesn't say how much he offered for, uh, or the original lawsuit was for when he filed. Oh, it says it right here. McDonald's uh, refused Morgan's offer to settle for $90,000. All right, so keep in mind. We started with $20,000. That covered ten five in actual medical bills, another five for uh, future medical bills because, again, she was still going through the rehab process and everything else. And because her daughter had to help take care of her and had, you know, lost wages in the process, another $10,000. So it's her original request was reasonable. And now it's gone up over four and a half times. Morgan then offered to settle out of court for 300000 And then a mediator said, oh, wait, 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 come on, wait, wait. 300 is a little excessive. McDonald's, McDonald's, will you do 225? You know, I'm coming to as a mediator in good faith with no real, you know, stakes in the game here. Now we're at over 10 times the original settlement amount. And McDonald's still refused. So then it goes on to trial where Reed Morgan then made the arguments that, you know, 
over 70 times in the past, McDonald's has received complaints about scaldings, including some rather severe burns over, you know, from the coffee being served at such a high temperature. McDonald's played the played off as, well, you know, it's such a small number that, you know, we really can't, you know, justify lowering the temperature of the, that we serve the coffee at. And besides, you know, most people, they order their coffee and then it sits in the cup holder until it gets to wherever they're going and then they drink the coffee. Well, uh, a survey was done. It doesn't, doesn't say through who, but you know, the, survey, the survey found that the overwhelming majority of persons who order coffee at McDonald's, they drink it while they are en route to their destination. But anyways, all this went on uh, for more for a couple weeks and uh, other documents obtained from McDonald's show that from 1982 to 1992, so this is a 10-year period, the company had received more than 700 reports of people being burned by their coffee, and they had settled claims arising from scalding injuries for more than $500,000. But, um, but again, well, this is a totally, totally her fault. You know, this is not our fault. But anyways, um, in August 18, 1994, a 12-person jury re- reached its verdict and uh, they use comparative negligence, which basically, well, this party was this much at fault, this party was that much at fault, and so we'll use that to determine where the, uh, you know, we actually give, you know, award money. So uh, the original amount, you know, for what they call compensatory damages was $200,000, which was then reduced by 20% because the jury said, well, it's 20% Stella's fault because, you know, she's the one, she's the one who dumped the coffee on herself, but 80% of it goes to McDonald's because of how high they served the, what temperature they served the coffee at. And then as, as reported in New York times, uh, they awarded her $2.7 million in punitive damages just you know, to you know to make it hurt. And that's because um, the jurors, they took you know, her attorney's suggestion that when awarding punitive damages, two days worth of McDonald's coffee sales. And at $1.35 million a day, 2.7 is a fairly easy number to come up with. However, uh, the judge of the case thought that was just getting carried away. So he he reduced the punitive damages to $480,000. This is three times the compensatory amount. For a total of six hundred and forty thousand dollars, so you know, 
And I'm, I remember as a kid hearing this all the time. Jay Leno would, would crack jokes about it um, as, as offhand comments in a sitcom or some other, some other television show. Yeah, I just need to build a cup of coffee. That, you know, even uh, country music singer Toby Keith in his song "American Ride," he has the lyric quote, "Spill a cup of coffee, make a million dollars." End quote. And it's as well as it has been so pervasive, and this really led to, um, and this led to a sudden shining light on frivolous lawsuits. You know, a frivolous lawsuit is, I was using the product wrong, and I hurt myself in the process. Not a, I bought this drink, I knew it was going to be hot, but I didn't know it would cause me to need skin grafts hot. And so, I, it's one of those things that, over the years, it just kind of, you know, eats at you, eats at you, eats at you. Um, and, and, and there's some interesting things out there that goes into it. Um, HBO did a documentary called Hot Coffee, which it obviously talks about this case. And then it goes into the more political side of going into tort reform and, you know, basically what... Laws that now better protect uh, businesses, manufacturers, because you know from being sued, and it makes it makes the burden for someone who has a legitimate claim against a McDonald's, against a Remington Firearms, against uh, Toyota, you know. It makes it harder for a person with a legitimate claim to actually get through. Um, and even on the the True TV series, Adam Ruins Everything, uh, Adam Conover is a comedian, a, a fairly left-wing bent. This is one of those few episodes where I think he actually hit it out of the park for, you know, you know the side of what is actually what the actual truth of the matter was, but anyways, um, you know, it's, you know, it's a, the original award to her was still, while it was sixty four times the, well, no, thirty, thirty two times more, three hundred twenty times more than what she originally asked for. Sorry, it's really late. I can't do math. And there may be brandy involved in this podcast. I don't know. Um, you know, there's exceptionally larger than what she originally asked for. The original $20,000. But then McDonald's didn't like, obviously didn't like that. So they they filed a an appeal to get lowered. Uh... Reed Morgan did not like the outcome and didn't think they got paid enough, so he filed an appeal. But the, uh, but then was both sides started getting friction from the appeals court. They 
ended up reaching an undisclosed settlement for less than the 640000 that was you know, awarded by the original judge in New Mexico. So, you know, again, it's one of those, you know, you pick your fights, you pick your battles. Um, in my opinion, I think, I think Stella Liebeck had a legitimate case. I don't think there was anything frivolous about, you know, your product caused great bodily injury to myself and I would like to be reimbursed for those losses. But, you know, then again, that is life. That's how things are. And, you know, to this day, I'm sure, you know, Stella Liebeck is going to be viewed as the, uh, you know, the, the butt of a joke about a... You know, people who are suing companies because, oh, I thought cruise control meant that it was autopilot, you know, which is what a lot, of, which a lot of the the frivolous lawsuits that people talk about. That's that's that is a frivolous lawsuit when you act in your act out of your own stupidity because, you know, they didn't put a warning label. Remember, warning labels aren't there for normal people. Warning labels are there for for the idiots who, by sheer sheer dumb luck, are literate and can actually read the warning. All right, well, now that I've gone that little rant, let's kind of go for another one. Let's talk, talk about old... John Walker Lind. That's right. The American Taliban was released from federal prison on Thursday because obviously we need more jihadis in the world. All right. So basically, John Walker Lind, at the age of 16, oh, and by the way, to give credit where credit is due, my research came comes courtesy of Vox.com, that bastion of conservative and libertarian thought, Vox.com. Yes, um, so like I said, this is coming from Vox, um, the author, Alex Ward. You know, which I read through this article because as soon as I saw this from Vox, I thought it was going to be like the the wonderful, wonderful New York Times piece by John Ray, W-R-A-Y. In case anyone wants to look him up and tell him how big of an idiot he is. So, Vox.com said Alex Ward was writing on this. And he actually, I was shocked reading through it, that it gives a fairly decent uh, summary of his background. As well as um, his travels. And some rather uh, condemning statements uh, he made while he made in writing uh, while he was in prison. So at the age of sixteen, uh, John Walker Lind converted to Islam, and 
shortly after that, he went to Yemen to learn Arabic. Yeah, probably about the age of 17. And eventually made his way to Pakistan and then Afghanistan, where he'd gone to become a Taliban, quote, volunteer, end quote, and be instructed in Al-Qaeda, in an Al-Qaeda training camp. Okay. You don't end up in the Taliban or an Al-Qaeda training camp unless you have been radicalized. Which, I'm not even going to say anything about him converting to Islam. I mean, you know, Cassius Clay, the famous boxer from the 1960s, converted to Islam and changed his name to the more widely known Muhammad Ali. So, I mean, and so people changing their religion, that's not a big deal. Changing their faith to becoming a Muslim is not a big deal. I'm saying that right now because, you know, you always have to cover your ass if you are a uh, relatively conservative-minded person because, you know, you mentioned how someone changed their faith to Islam. Uh, someone, someone is now identifying as trans, pan, gender, sexual, E-I-E-I-O, and, you know, obviously you're a bigot because you're mentioning it. And then, well, you just shouldn't mention such things. It's not nice. But, again, it's mentioning this because it is germane to the story. So, yeah, you traveled to Yemen around the age of 17 to learn Arabic because obviously you can't do that in the United States. And then eventually on to Pakistan where he studied in madrasas. And Afghanistan to, you know, work for the Taliban and go to an Al-Qaeda terrorist training camp. Well, he was eventually picked up after two, you know, 9-11 by the Northern Alliance, which, for anyone who's not really sure what the Northern Alliance was, it was a group of non-Pashtu North, you know, warlords in northern Afghanistan who had nothing but great hate for the Taliban because these are people who, you know, the Uzbeks, the the uh, Tajiks, so on and so forth, who are, a, I can't even find the words to describe how small of a minority they are in the Afghan population. These are people who were regularly, you know, slaughtered by the Taliban just because they don't, they're not the, they don't have the same bloodline as the Talebs, which Taleb is Pashtu for student. In this case, a student of Islam. You know, these are people who went on who... They were known in Afghanistan because of the black turbans they wore to signify, hey, I am learning to be a better Mujahideen than you, good sir. But, you know, so, you know, the Northern Alliance had no love for pretty much any, anyone who was posh to, but especially the Taliban. 
So here they, they pick up John Walker Lynn. They take him to Masri Sharif uh, up in, I don't remember what province. It's in northern Afghanistan because there was a fortress there that had been converted to a prison. Um, CIA early on had sent uh, interrogators to this prison. That way, as they the Northern Alliance collected up Taliban and any kind of Al-Qaeda fighters they could, you know, interrogate, interview, and get as much human intelligence from them as possible. Uh, one of the people who had been picked up was, again, John Walker Lind, and he was interrogated by CIA officer Johnny Mike Spann. And during his time at this prison, there was an uprising. Uh, it could have been planned from the inside. Could have been something from the outside. I, I, I really don't know. It's stuff that has not been released and made, made available to my eyes. But in the process, uh, Mike Spann had been murdered. Uh, 5th Special Forces Group was brought in to quell the uprising. And in the process, they again captured John Walker Lind. And in the process, John Walker Lind was shot in the leg. So he had to be treated, you know, because, you know, we're a kinder, gentler army. If we put a bullet in you and you don't die, we will keep you alive. As you can tell, I really don't have a whole lot of sympathy for this position. But, so, so John Lynn was taken again into U.S. custody. And here, here's where it gets crazy, because he was a person who has obviously taken up arms against U.S. forces, uh, against U.S. intelligence, And the same time, but at the same time, he was not charged with and was not sentenced for committing the crime of treason. This is, this is one of those things that I find weird. But upon further research, for a treason conviction to be leveled against a person there has to be two credible witnesses to put the finger on you and say yep he told us that he was going to do this that this is his motivations that he wanted to commit treason against the United States kind of like in Sharia law if a woman wants to level charges against her husband or any man for for that matter she also has to have two witnesses to be able to say no 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 i saw him do that to her she is innocent but you know so 
John Lynn was sentenced to 20 years for the crimes of helping, of providing aid to the Taliban and carrying a rifle and grenade. If every Taliban, Haqqani, local insurgent, rebel type person that we encountered and then detained was charged for carrying a rifle or providing material support, I think Afghanistan would have been a much emptier place. But, again, this is the American Federal Prosecution System. I mean, if they don't feel that they have a case that they can actually convict him of treason and sentence him to the death penalty because it's you know treason is the only crime laid out in the United States Constitution with its preferred method of punishment and it's not like it'd be something that is unheard of uh the rosensteins they were sentenced to death for selling nuclear secrets to the Soviet Union during the Cold War, post-World War II. Um, you know, even go back to the American Revolution, when George Washington found out there was a plot to have him murdered or assassinated. He rounded up the would-be assassins, built the gallows, all nice and big and pretty in the middle of... New York City invited 20,000 of his closest friends and promptly stretched the necks of his would-be assassins. I don't have a problem I don't have a problem with that method of dealing with John Walker Lind. However, he was sentenced to 20 years for the crimes that he you know pled guilty to. Yes, he didn't even go to trial. He pled guilty. And, you know, so I'm assuming that he had a really good defense attorney who pretty much laid out to the prosecutors, you don't have the evidence to get this conviction, so you better offer us something because if you go to court, you're going to be humiliated. But And then on top of that 20-year prison, apparently he was released three years early because of good behavior. So he's only serving, you know, 17, 18 years of that 20. And it's funny because you go on to read this Vox article. You know, it goes, talks about, in, um, you know, and it talks about his dad defending him. His dad defended Lynn in 2007 telling CBS News, Quote, we know he's not anti-American. We know he doesn't have any sympathy for terrorism, end quote. However, Lynn's conduct seems to quite distinctly uh, disprove that. And, you know, because in 2000. From 2014-2015, Lynn sent a series of handwritten letters to a producer at NBC Los Angeles. 
And he, he was asked a question about whether ISIS is properly representing Islam. Um, Lynn reportedly wrote in a March 2015 letter, quote, Yes, and they are doing a spectacular job. He continued, quote, The Islamic State is clearly very sincere and serious about fulfilling the long-neglected religious obligation to establish a caliphate through armed struggle, which is the only correct method, end quote. Think about that. We are releasing a person who, at the height of, you know, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, imposing their caliphate, committing genocide against Christians and the Hazidis, enslaving their fellow Muslims because they're not Muslim enough. This is a this is the group that this guy supports and says is doing an awesome job. Allison Spann, the uh, the daughter of the slain Johnny Mike Spann, she said on Thursday, releasing him into our public is a danger to everybody. Neither his legal team nor his family would say that he what he plans to do. But uh, ABC News' James Gordon Meek reports that Lynn will initially live in the Eastern District of Virginia outside of Washington, D.C., which is where he you know, was at when he pleaded guilty to his crimes. During his supervised release, this is a supervised. So for three years, he could still be out there, you know, getting a hold of people, even though he's been ordered by the court that on his release, you know, he has to stay away, stay away from the, you know, the crazy radicalized Islamic pages all of his communications that are done via electronics have to be done in English and not in Arabic. Blah, 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 blah. It's stuff that can very, very easily you know, be worked around by someone who really, really does not care for the United States and would much rather be in Afghanistan fighting his fellow Americans because he is, in fact, a douche and I, I really think it's like the best part of this article has to be the last line and again this is from vox.com quote what's certain though is that many including the US government will be keeping a close eye on him wherever he goes end quote Hopefully it's just the U.S. government. Hopefully we don't have some incensed bub out there who decides, well, the government wouldn't take care of him, so we're going to do it for him. That's the last thing we need. That's this guy who brings so many problems. Because when he gets arrested, he will probably be, probably be wearing a MAGA hat. And anyone who remotely supports our president... This is where I have to be honest with you. 
Yes, I remotely support the president. Not wholeheartedly. I'm not on the Trump train. I just kind of call balls and strikes and, you know, the good things like, you know, Neil Gorsuch, I praise. The bad things like Greg Kavanaugh, I shudder at. All right, so to getting ready to close up here, I want to talk about uh, the event I went to today. Now, this is not a paid advertisement. I'm going to say that now. This is not a paid advertisement. This is a charity that does things that are near and dear to my heart. This is called a charity called Wagons for Warriors. This is a charity that my dad founded nine years ago with his friend uh, after getting involved with uh, Cowboys for Heroes, which is an event that's held down at Fort Sam Houston, you know, in association with the Brook Army Medical Center down there. And basically my dad's friend was invited by someone that he knew Hey, you know, we're doing this event, you know, raise, you know, raise money for, um, for wounded warriors who are being treated at Brook. Would you want to come down? And they said, well, hell yeah, we'll come down. And so they loaded up and they went down to San Antonio to, uh, to joint base San Antonio and absolutely fell in, fell in love with what, what it was about and what they did. And so they decide that, by God, we have a military base right up the road from us, so we're going to do this ourselves. And so they founded Wagons for Warriors. And every Memorial Day weekend, uh, on Thursday, that's when the wagons first start getting into town, and they begin setting up the uh, food tents and everything, you know, for the dining areas, get getting all the, uh, you know, everything kind of laid out and, you know, all right, here's where we're going to put all the different wagons as they get here. And then on Friday, they do, you know, they take all the wagons and all the horses, you know, for the people who actually have mules and horses. They go up to the other end of town on Old Route 66, and then they parade down through town to the fairgrounds. And, you know, they, they finish getting everything set up. You know, they, you know, get, you know, all the meat they're going to use uh, handed out to them. The baking mix, because, you know, the the meat and the baking mix, it's it's all donated. Uh, Pioneer, you know, they, they have their own brand of baking mix. They give, they donate tons to different uh, events like this around the country. And it's, it's freaking amazing. And so you have all these uh, chuck wagon teams doing cowboy cooking, you know, build a fire. Then they spread the coals out and they put a Dutch oven on it, throw the food in the Dutch oven, put the lid on, put more coals on the lid, and it bakes from both directions. It's absolutely amazing food. Um, And, you know, some of the things that, you know, my dad's charity, Wagons for Warriors, has done – in our area, there's a uh, Heroes Rain Ranch that offers equine therapy to soldiers who suffer from traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, the Mid-Missouri USO, 
their uh, their therapy dog they have was getting old and was starting to have health issues. So not only did they buy a new dog, they also paid to have it trained as a therapy animal. I mean, and then, you know, every year they have big auction. This year my dad made a table, which I will I'll get on Facebook, and I'll find a picture of the table, and I will tweet that out. You know, this table, when they held their auction, it raised $5,000. I mean, the people who, you know, from all the chuck wagons who come come to it, uh, the people in the community who, you know, come out and support it and, you know, they pay their $10 so they can go eat at all the chuck wagons like everyone else. It's just such a blessing for troops and veterans in our area. I know they've sent um a vietnam vet who was uh you know poor they sent him to washington dc bought the tickets and all that so he could go to the vietnam wall they've sent a couple world war ii veterans to washington dc to the world war ii memorial i mean you know these guys they're their hearts are for the are definitely for troops and for veterans. My dad is a Vietnam vet. Uh, the co-founder, uh, Mr. Steve Hull, he is a uh, Vietnam-era Naval Reserve vet. And, and he'll tell you that, you know, when he was in the Navy Reserves and, you know, seeing the guys who are overseas in Vietnam and people coming back with horrible injuries, people coming back in flag draped boxes, you know, his exact phrase is, yeah, I felt is quote, I felt like chicken shit end quote. But Steve has done an amazing job, uh, along with my dad putting this event together. Uh, celebrity chef, uh, Kent Rollins, he, he comes up every year for it. And, he does an amazing job. They got a picture of me and him where I think it was my brother had the uh, person who was acting as the sheriff go pick Kent up and put him in a jail wagon until someone, you know, donated, you know, made a big enough donation to Wagons for Warriors to get him out. And then, you know, they got an autographed copy of his cookbook. But, you know, like I say, Kent's an amazing guy. He loves coming out. Um, if this is something you want to look into, you know, go to go to wagonsforwarriors.com. Um, if you want to see what it was like, there's a link to the last couple years of the, uh, of the event. Uh, a retired, uh, a retired teacher, he... He's also a Vietnam vet, Alva Hazel. You know, he goes through and he films it, you know, does the music and all that to to the videos and puts it out there so people can go, oh, wow, that's a really neat event. So please go check that out. And, you know, if you, if you think, you know, this is something you want to donate to, please, you know, from from a veteran who 
absolutely loves what this what this charity does. From the bottom of my heart, I do thank you if you if you choose to do it. All right, well that has been this week's show. Thank you, thank you, thank you listeners for listening to it, hearing me rant. It means a lot to me. If you want to reach out to me, uh hit me up on the socials. You can go check out my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash relentless daring. Uh on Twitter, the if you want to, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, uh the podcast page on Twitter is at Daring Podcast or my personal, which I have updated the name to. It is no longer at Morgan65536. You can find find it at Real Tyler Morgan. Uh, again, if you're you know listen to it on, go to Apple iTunes and listen to it there. Need you to do four things when you listen to it on Apple iTunes. Need you to subscribe. Need you to rate. Need you to review it and need you to share it. Get it out there. Show you know to all the people who you know who think like you. Or even if they don't think like you, if they, you know, if they're more liberal and they want, but they're relatively reasonable and they're willing to give a listen to someone who doesn't think like them. Share me with, share my podcast with them too. A uh, podcast is available on Apple iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, my wonderful, wonderful hosts at Podbean, and Newly added iHeartRadio. Um, still doesn't pop up very quickly when you search for search for it on the iHeart app, but if you go to iHeart.com and look for it there, you can find it, click it, and it will populate into your uh, or tell it to play tell it to play on the iHeart app and it'll pop up there. Good to go. Again, thank you all for listening, and as always, stay relentless. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.